welcome to the She Talks Health Podcast, your source for information about all things women's hormonal health. I'm your host, Sophie Shepard. I'm the founder of She Talks Health and the co-creator of the 12-week Empower Her group gut and hormone program. I'm a certified functional health coach and a holistic menstrual health educator. This podcast was created to give you clarity about how to take control over your hormonal health using safer, natural options. I created this podcast to cover the widespread and complex health issues plaguing women today. From the rise of infertility to the epidemically high numbers of women with autoimmune disease to menstrual cycle problems, digestive issues, anxiety, weight gain, food sensitivities, mental, emotional, and energetic imbalances, and so much more. If there's a topic that you need answered, I encourage you to write us at podcast at shetalkshealth.com and we will try our absolute best to cover that subject. My greatest mission in life is to help women radically change their health and their lives by teaching them how they can use their hormones as their superpowers. So with that in mind, I hope you enjoy today's episode. As always, ladies, this podcast and the information being provided to you is for educational and informational purposes only, and it should not be taken as medical advice. It is not intended to treat or cure any specific illness, and it is not to replace the guidance provided by your own medical practitioner. This information is to be used at your own risk based on your own judgment. And if you suspect you have a medical problem, we urge you to take appropriate action by seeking medical attention. Welcome, 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 ladies, back to the show. I'm so pumped today. I started uh, having this idea about inviting former clients onto the She Talks Health podcast to discuss what their health was like, what happened, and where they are now in a way to inspire you all to take action on your health if you're not feeling your best. And today I have an amazing woman, one of my favorite clients of all time, Jennifer Vargas on the show. Welcome to the podcast, Jennifer. Thank you. Thank you. It's great to be here. Yeah, yeah. It's really good to have you here because you just have such a special story that I think a lot of people could relate to. And a lot of symptoms and kind of main complaints that you had coming in that have completely resolved or greatly gotten better. Like I was actually just looking back over your your final (laughs) checklist and everything had moved from like low numbers, like 10 out of 10 or 9 out of 10, like in all these different areas of your health. And I just think so often we we just don't take action because we're afraid for some reason or we have some fears. And so I would just love to kind of start from the beginning. We met a year, over a year ago. (laughs) Yes, yes. July of, yeah, July of last year. (laughs) Yeah, 2021. Yeah, exactly. Basically a year ago because it's August 2nd this recording's happening. And tell us like where you were in your life. What were you experiencing on a day-to-day basis with your health and anything else you want to share? Give us a a colorful picture. Oh, yes. Um, I was just reflecting on where I am now and where I came from. And I just want to start off by saying I know we're going to get to it. But I didn't think that I would be where I am now when I was back there a year ago. And what was happening a year ago in my life was that I was starting to feel extremely fatigued. 
I was having extreme, what I call extreme PMS, specifically two weeks before my period, I was feeling very exhausted. I was feeling very moody. I was feeling very weepy. And I felt like I was cycling through feeling anxious and then feeling really low and sad. And I couldn't understand why. So it was the emotional symptoms, uh, the fatigue, and I was also losing my hair. And I just didn't understand. Even my mom was like, maybe you should go get blood work done. It sounds like there's something off. And in addition to all of this, on top of those symptoms, I was also experiencing this, uh, what I thought at the time was reoccurring BV, bacterial vaginosis. Um, so it was just, it was a combination of those things. Uh, what I thought was reoccurring BV, uh, anxiety, feeling depressed, feeling moody, lack of energy, extreme fatigue, hair loss. I, I thought something wasn't right. And this can't be it. Like this can't be, this can't be the way that I live my life. Um, and I'm 30, well, I'm, I'm turning 32 now. So it's like, it can't be that like I'm in my thirties. I'm like, this is the way that I'm yeah. your age because yeah, yeah. like, you know, I'll, I hear a lot from people, well, I'm just getting older. And it's like, how old are you? 37? No, <laughs> yeah, no, no. And I, listen, I tell my friends, I'm like, I'm taking care of my body now because I want to be in my nineties living my best life. I tell my friends, I want to be twerking at my nineties. <laughs> Yes, I want to be twerking in my 90s. This is the best quote yes. of the entire episode already. <laughs> Listen, I, I want to live a full healthy life. So at that moment, I'm just like, this cannot be it. And I just didn't know where to start. I was curious about a lot of things. I was curious about um, learning more about my menstrual cycle. I was curious about nutrition and how to eat better. And I was curious how to better work with managing my anxiety. But it was like, I couldn't find a place or a practitioner that addressed all things. And I was talking to one of my friends, Keisha Villarson, who you've worked with, and I know she's been on the podcast before. Um, and she, at the time she was working with you, Sophie, and she told me about her work with you. And I was like, you know what, I'm going to, I'm going to check this out. Let me, let me talk to her. And from the first conversation with you, I just felt so validated and I could feel myself getting emotional and my like my eyes starting to well up because for the first time I felt heard by a practitioner. I felt like someone was actually listening to me and not only listening, but telling me, we're going to work through this. Like, I'm going to hold your hands and we're, we're going to, we're going to see what's happening here a step at a time. Um so for me, that felt very validating because it's hard when you feel like something is off. But then for me, when I was going to doctors, and I'll, I can talk more about this, but specifically with uh, what I thought was reoccurring BV for my symptoms and my feelings to be minimized and just uh, given prescription medication or antibiotics that I didn't really need. But again, we can address that more specifically later. Anymore, which is one of the yeah. Yes, yes, yes. Um, so yeah, that was just the that was that was just the overview of what I was experiencing a year ago. It's just an incredible story because you know we haven't gotten to where you are now, but I hope people are know you're not in the same place. That's good. No. <laughs> um, and thank you for being so generous sharing even about the bacterial vaginosis because this is like uh, I remember when you first started, like it's a really big stigma because people think certain things about a woman who has BV and it's like total garbage. <laughs> you know, it's just like not even true at all. And you know, on this podcast, we do try to break stigma and break myths down. And um, 
one of the things that, you know, we looked at with the BV and I know there were multiple layers, but like we found a lot in the lab testing and we found, you know, oxalates and oxalates can cause a pain of BV. There was like pelvic floor stuff that needed to be worked on. Like there was a lot of layers that had nothing to do with anyone's like sexual, like whatever, like, like you know what I mean? So it's just, I, I appreciate you saying that because, you know, I think there's probably a lot of women listening who probably are like judging themselves when there could be mm-hmm. a serious like reason and even a medical reason why they're having these issues. And I honestly just started to tear up when you were saying how you felt validated on that first call, because that is the whole point. (laughs) I mean, the whole point is get better, but the first step is feeling like safe and validated to do so. And, Mm -hmm. you know, that's really what we try to do here. So I appreciate that mirror and reflection. And so I'm, I'm just thinking all the way back a year ago and I'm thinking like, okay, so we had this, you know, you come in, you have these symptoms. And so in the intake, I asked you a lot about like your living situation <laughs> and yeah. told me that you had had like a previous basement that had an, um, a flooding situation and that you knew you had, were cleaning mold out of a vent. <laughs> like there was like mold in a crawl. There was like a lot of mold. There was musty smell and my like fire alarms go off. And I'm just like, wait a second, like this person could have mold. And so the very first things we did Well, we worked on digestion. We did some like lemon water things. We got you a good water filter. We started opening up detox pathways. Guys, that's really important. Please don't just detox without opening up your pathways. Jennifer knows. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Um, And then we got some labs. We got a GI maps, which is a stool test. And then we did a combination of oat, organic acid testing, and mycotoxins, which is the great little duo to see if there is mold, mycotoxins inside the body. And I think the other big thing that we did was we, um, we, you weren't gluten-free at the time. You had other food stuff you were restricting, I think like beef and pork and things like this. And I was like, what about gluten-free? And so you really just got on it. (laughs) Yeah, no, but I was like, no way. (laughs) I remember (laughs) when you you did ask me, you were like, oh, have you ever been gluten-free or considered it? I'm like, no. And and the thought of it at the time was like, uh-uh. Like, I love baked goods. I love my pastries. I can't do that to myself. Yeah, and it's, it's wild to think. To, I can't do to that think that I am. Yeah, yeah. But I, yeah. And it's like, to think like, oh, wow, I'm, I'm gluten-free now. But then it was like, oh, no way. I'm not doing this. Yeah. <laughs> but at the same time, it was like, I'm going to give this a shot. Like, because I can't limit myself and I have to do whatever I can to help myself. A hundred percent. I love that. That's like the best phrase I've ever heard. But here's the thing. It's like a partnership. Like I see some stuff. I'm like, let's do this. And you're like, okay, I'm not going to limit myself, which is a huge part of this. I can't tell you how many people I've worked with who do limit themselves and they don't see the results. And then we got this, these labs back <laughs> and they revealed quite a lot, didn't they? It was like, interesting. Okay. Yes. Yes. <laughs> and so we found a lot of mold in in the labs. We found some gut bugs um, as well, which everyone has, by the way. <laughs> if you're listening to this, you probably have got some gut buggies. We found um, something that was really interesting with the two weeks of PMS. You had kind of like the extreme PMS you talked about. We found a marker, you guys, on the GI maps called beta glucuronidase. Super fun. 
was really high and it um this basically was making jennifer's hormones not to detox they were the estrogen was just sticking around and we know with estrogen excess it can cause all the symptoms she was describing at the top of the episode so we're like well this is going to feel better very quickly so we worked on that and all of a sudden what happened you started to feel differently (laughs) yes i definitely started to feel um more energized and i noticed that there were well at least now and as i started to detox it was just like wait what's what's happening like i have more energy now and Two weeks before my period, I would know it's like, all right, we're entering the doom zone. <laughs> it's about to be these two weeks of feeling miserable. So then, you know, after I bleed, then I'll feel okay for like a good week to actually be like, wait, when's my period? When am I bleeding? Wow, I feel great right now. Um, so definitely I started to feel a lot better. And like the fatigue, it, it just, it that helped a lot too. The amount of fatigue that I was feeling before, I can't even explain. It was like so hard to do anything sometimes. Like working felt really difficult. But after afterwards, it was like, okay, like I can do this. <laughs> yeah, I can do this. I was so, I'm so glad to hear that. I, I remember the fatigue being like one of the biggest things. In the, and anyone who's been really tired can just totally understand that. I mean, that can just really mess with somebody. And so I'm, I'm glad you mentioned that because when we detox, we just we all of a sudden the toxic load is just lifted off of us. And so we're not, our body's not trying to put out, you know, all these fires in our body. Um, and so we can actually focus on making energy and using energy for things like work or going out on a date or dancing or whatever fun things we like to do. So, okay. So that was kind of like the, you know, a lot of what we found in the functional um, labs was the mold, the gut bugs that needed to be worked on. And we talked a lot about um, protein and potassium and things like this that were also low that could be contributing to the the fatigue and kind of started to figure out what would the food look like for you because it's individual, right? Um, was there anything surprising about what you changed in your food, by the way? It's kind of a curveball question. No, it's I knew you were going to ask this. <laughs> Um, I had a feeling. Well, the biggest change was, yes, once I stopped, I stopped eating gluten. And also, I realized how eliminating gluten or gluten products, how that really, I I always wanted to look at food as like whole foods, how can I eat whole foods and minimize processed foods. And that forced me to look at food differently, or in that way, or to eat the way that I wanted to eat. Because in the mornings, that was like an easy thing for me, I would like eat a piece of bread and have some coffee and not realizing that that was really tanking me. And by 2pm, I was feeling exhausted. And I remember you asked me, do you eat breakfast? And I was like, No, I don't eat breakfast, because I'm not hungry in the mornings. But slowly, I started trying to just have something small. And luckily, with your help, and um, with Becca's health, one of the other coaches in the program, I was I started incorporating some small breakfast ideas. And that was very helpful to me. And I noticed, wow, in the afternoon, I'm not feeling exhausted. And learning about the importance of protein and having protein in the morning, that that also helped me too. And that's something that now I'm aware of. And I'm like, okay, even if I'm not feeling super hungry, it's important. I It's important for my body to have something. Yeah. I need to put something in my body in order to have energy later on. Yeah, so that's that's definitely the biggest food change for me. It was the going from barely eating anything in the morning to maybe just having like a veggie and fruit based smoothie with no protein to now thinking about, okay, how can I incorporate especially protein early in the morning? 
A hundred percent. I love that change for you because it's one that hint, hint, if you're listening to this, it's probably a change that would help you too. Um, it's a big one that I see and it's, it's a challenging one to address. I feel like I, I remember it took us many, many months to figure out like, how could we get some more food in? And it's just, it's different than the way your habit was for such a long time. And that's a big part of it is making these habit shifts. So I just wanted to ask the diet question because, you know, there's so much diet dogma out there and it's sometimes something so that you're not thinking of, like not even like an elimination, just like this ad, really like an ad in. So I would love to kind of talk about, there's a couple other layers to your healing journey that you've mentioned to me that I think are just like really beautiful. Um, I'm hoping you'll be okay sharing them. One of them was around like your movement practice and your relationship to yourself. And um, I'd love to just hear, you know, where you were and where you are now, because I know now you have a movement practice that you just like love that lights you up and finding that can be challenging for people. They might be like, oh, I have to hit the gym for two hours and I have to do hit and I hate it and I don't want to move. Or maybe they're using movement as a way to give them, quote, permission to eat whatever they want. I've heard that one a lot. So where were you? Uh, and then like, where are you now? What do you love to do with movement? Back then, about a year ago, I was t- I had a reg- pretty regular early morning yoga practice and that was very grounding for me. But about in about 2018, I started being introduced to strength training. And I really, I really liked it. And I really enjoyed it. I love the way it made my body feel. I I love feeling stronger. But there came a point where my relationship to strength training in particular, it went from something that I enjoyed, and was like, wow, oh, I feel stronger. Being on Instagram, I started following all these like fit people. And then that actually was detrimental to me because I'm looking at them like, I don't look like that. I need to work harder. I need to do this. I'm not doing enough. Um, so there was a point where it's like, I found this form of movement that I really enjoyed. But then it turned into this thing where it's like, okay, now I'm judging myself. And I feel like I'm not doing enough. Through the work with here and, and my own um, self-work, I'm at the point where it's like, I'm able to move because I enjoy it. And one of the takeaways that I that I've got from Sarah was, you know, look at your body as like, you're taking your body with you like your body on a date, like, I'm going on a date with my body to do this to x, y, and z. And that framework really helps me because it helped me think about like, what do I actually enjoy? And one thing I've always enjoyed is dancing. Ever since I was young, I enjoyed dancing. I, I didn't do it professionally or anything like that. And it's not like I was, quote unquote, talented necessarily, but I enjoyed it. And somewhere along the line, that that got lost. So I started taking dance classes again in January, Heels Dance, which I really love. Yes, and, girl. I love yes. I love getting these videos. She's like just yeah. dancing her tail off. It looks so much like so much fun. Yeah. You're just really yeah. embodied. I just posted my first little snippet of one of my dance classes yesterday on Instagram. And I was like, oh my goodness. Like it just, it was so anxiety inducing because it feels so vulnerable. And I am a slight perfectionist. So it's like, no, it has to be right. But I'm like, you know what? No, just it's me enjoying myself. It doesn't matter what it looks like. So that's one thing now it's I I'm dancing now and I'm really just like doing anything that feels interesting to me so um, dancing feels good I'm doing I'm strength training again and I also practice Pilates uh, thanks to my friend Angeli who introduced me to it and yeah like any other 
class that seems interesting, I'm like, oh, I'm going to try that. But the difference now is that there is a layer of joy. I'm doing these things because it's, oh, they sound interesting. Let me try it. I want to explore all the ways I can move my body, not because I feel like I have to, not because I have to look a certain way, not because I have to look like those people on Instagram. Like, I'm never going to look like them. I'm always going to look like me. So that's just an impossible, impossible expectation to set up for myself. And yeah, so now I move for the sake of enjoying my movement and the other layer that has been really helpful that I've learned through your education, Sophie, is syncing the movement that I engage in with my menstrual cycle. Mm. That has been huge for me. Yeah, I, yeah. Oh my gosh, pause for one second because I just need to celebrate you again. This is so profound. I bet you that 100% of listeners are like, man, I really wish that I felt like that about my movement practice. And the thing is, is that you guys can, you got to do the inner work. Uh, This is part of it. It's not just lab testing and, you know, going gluten-free. You have to do the inner work. That self-work is so important. And I love that you have gotten to this place where it's for you and it's for like you exploring the movement of your body and your own joy, because after all, what are we doing this for? Like, yeah. (laughs) We're doing it to have a good life, to enjoy our life, to be healthy in our life. Um, And you just like, you really are a shining example of that. So thank you for sharing like where you were with this and like where where you are now. And yeah, the Mm -hmm. cycle thinking is interesting. And let's tie this into, you are on a longer journey than some, I would say. We Mm -hmm. have been working together for a year, Mm -hmm. a little bit under a year. And the primary reason for that was that you weren't quite done detoxing and exploring all these things. And so I see a lot of people put the cycle syncing stuff out there. Like that's their, that's their only thing. And I I would never disparage another coach or anything, but I I personally find that it's hard to sync your cycle (laughs) and sync your movement and your food to your cycle when you're so sick, when you don't feel well. So it was really cool was when when you decided that you weren't done and you were like, I'm going to do another round. And I would love to, A, like, ask you about that. Like, what, you were feeling a lot better after the first six months. So why why stop there? <laughs> why were you just like, no, nope, I got to keep going? And then tell us about, yeah, you're sinking your cycle and having that space to do so. Yeah, so... I think for me, um, I'm I'm a very practical person in some ways. So when 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 a lab shows me that I still have mold in my body, <laughs> I still have these mycotoxins in my body, even though I've done some detoxing, it's like, nope, we still have to work on this. Um, I still want to work on this. So that was really a motivator. It's like, I need to get this stuff out of me. Um, and, you know, I don't think I'm 100% yet, but working towards it. <laughs> Um, much better so, than you do, yeah. Mold, yeah, definitely. Mold can take a long time to get out of. Yeah, them. yeah, but uh, but definitely, definitely going towards there. So that was one thing, and I just felt like I also needed more support because at the time that the that I was finishing up the program, I was also going through a lot of transitions. I was going through a breakup. I was going to. I had to move out of the house that I was living in um, because of the molds, and there was just a lot going on. And I felt like I needed a support system in place. And for me, the program itself felt like a felt like a nurturing environment for me, especially since I was going through a lot. Um, not just obviously going through this physical journey and transformation, but there was a lot going on for me emotionally and in my life. And I just needed consistency and something I could control. And I was like, okay, one thing I can control is 
how I treat my body <laughs> and how I respond to it. And, you know, just taking care of me. That is the one thing that I can control when everything else feels out of control. So yeah, it was the combination of just feeling like I really need something grounding right now. And I, I and I need to continue to work on me because that is how I'm going to get through this. Ooh, you heard it here. A woman who is passionate about taking care of herself. I am so impressed. <laughs> like, just every time I talk to you, I'm like, oh my gosh, you just need to be the spokesperson for all women who are struggling. Thank you for sharing that. Like, it, it's just, it's beautiful. It really is gorgeous. And I honestly honored that I got to support you in this journey because it's been really beautiful to see you open up in all of these different areas of your life, mm -hmm. you know, just emotional, you know, relationship, where you live, your movement practice, your cycle, your energy, like there's just been so many layers um, to your, your kind of like metamorphosis. And it's been really cool to see. So Jennifer, is there anything like we didn't cover? As far as I know, like most of your symptoms are resolved or just in a much better place. We're retesting the mold one more time to see if there's still anything left. Is there anything else you wanted to share with the audience? So do you want me to touch on the cycle syncing? Oh, yes. Yes. Yeah. I forgot about that. Cycle syncing. <laughs> Let's talk about the, yeah. What have you been doing with, you specifically mentioned movement and cycle syncing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So one thing that's been very helpful for me is just aligning my movement to where I am in my cycle. So I know that the week before my period, I don't have a lot of energy, for example. So instead of forcing myself to maybe do a workout that where I have to exert more energy, I'm looking at, I'm looking ahead and I'm like, okay, I, I should take it easy that week. Maybe I can do Pilates or I can do something that isn't that like yoga, some stretching, something light. And Thanks to Miriam, another one of the lovely coaches who I also worked with one-on-one. -on -one. Everybody's amazing. I just can't <laughs> say enough about how great everyone truly is, everyone that you work with, Sophie. Like she actually told me, okay, it's one thing to have your expected day for when you're expecting your period. If you have a regular period on your app, if you use a tracking app, but actually start putting it in your calendar. And I started doing that and I'm like, okay. And I'm like, all right. Now I know that I'm going to get my, I'm expecting my period around this day because look, I have a pretty regular cycle and now it's like, all right, day one and two, I'm not planning any movement activity. I, I'll do it if I feel like it. So I leave that pretty open. I don't schedule anything. And for this past month, I actually took the day off on my period. And I think that's something I'm going to start doing from now on. I'm yes. like, I'm going to take a sick day today. I have cramps, my back hurts, like, no. And I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to, I work in a place where I can do that. So it's like, why am I not doing this? Why am I not just taking this day for myself to recharge? So I know that after I get my period, then I start feeling more energized. So that's when I can do more of the heavier weightlifting and weight training and things like that, where maybe I can exert myself and dance a little more. So really, those are the just the two things that I think about. It's not like a... <laughs> It isn't super detailed, but I know like, okay, how I feel before and during my period. And I know how I feel directly after my period and just planning ahead for those things. Um, and of course, like giving myself grace too. like, for me, I am a person who I like to plan things. and I like to put things on my, on my schedule, but I also leave room because sometimes it's like, okay, I had this thing planned, but my body is not feeling it today. 
So I'm not going to force myself. I'm not going to force my body to do this thing today because clearly my body's asking me for something else. So it's like, even though, oh, well, I had this Pilates class uh, tomorrow, my body is asking me for, for stretching or something else or just rest or to just restore. So that's what I, I'm going to give it what it needs. Oh, yes. I love this so much. It's so powerful to hear you in this place where you're like, I'm going to plan for it because I know how to plan for it. And I'm listening to my body to the day where I can just change my mind and do something else. Mm -hmm. So good because we often do not give ourselves permission for that. And I think also we, like you mentioned earlier, will kind of hit it too hard. And mm -hmm. a lot of times, especially around weight, that'll backfire for us because we are not mm -hmm. small men. <laughs> we mm -hmm. are women and we have different cycles and different needs. So it's actually good to do that, to give yourself, your body's already under stress when we're bleeding because there's, it's an inflammatory process, whether, you know, hopefully it's not too inflammatory where we're wiped out for a week or something, but you know, there is just an inflammatory process happening, a shedding happening. And when we create space for that and not try to like work out so hard that it's, you know, depleting us, then we have more energy later in our cycle to do the things that are more energetic. So I just love that. I love that you took a day off. That's so wonderful to hear. I also know you get yourself flowers for your period. So all these little things. <laughs> yes, yes. Started getting myself flowers. Another tip from Miriam. <laughs> yeah. And Miriam's taught so many good things in this program around, you know, the menstrual cycle. I just love working with her. Well, gosh, I don't know. I feel like we could be here all day talking about how incredible mm -hmm you are and your transformation. Um, I just can't say enough good things. I don't, I don't think I have any other questions. Is there anything else that you wanted to add? Is it okay if I talk a little bit about what I thought was reoccurring BV, but actually wasn't? Yes. Oh my gosh, okay. please tell everybody. Yeah. Yes, because I think that this part is important in particular. So at the time, like in 2018 was the first time that I was diagnosed with BV. And I... All I'm going to say is at that time, I was also on hormonal birth control pills. Um, I am no longer on hormonal birth control. I was only on it for a year. Um, and I'm not saying that there's a correlation. I'm just saying that that's what was happening in my life. After that, I just felt like I kept getting reoccurring, re reoccurring BV and the symptoms would usually be like a strange odor or a burning sensation. But sometimes it wouldn't be accompanied with the odor. And I would go to the I would go to the gynecologist thinking that I had it again. Um, and I was put on rounds of antibiotics to treat it. And I would be given the antibiotics, I would do the lab testing, but the lab testing would come back negative for any bacterial infections. And I was just feeling frustrated because I'm like, why do I feel? So my symptoms were, I would feel a burning sensation in my vagina, especially, um, it, and it would happen during uh, penetrative sex. And also something that I was found interesting, whenever I would have a bowel movement, I would also feel a burning sensation. And I remember going to a gynecologist and telling her that, and her response was, that's weird. And I was like, are you serious? I'm telling you that I'm experiencing this, that I don't understand. And your response is that's weird. Oh man. <laughs> and that's weird with no follow-up. No, let's get you checked out. None of that. So wow. I was just, yeah, I just felt really frustrated because I kept having these symptoms that seemed to be an infection, quote unquote infection. And then each and every time they would run labs and tests, but it was like, it, there was no infection. So I'm like, why am I experiencing that painful intercourse? And why am I experiencing this, this burning sensation, even things like sitting for prolonged periods of time, or um, wearing tighter clothing, um, 
and and it's, it would happen to me like I would come out of the gym after wearing tight leggings and I'm like, oh, oh, I gave myself an infection for staying in wet clothes for too long. Like that's what my brain would go to right away. So it was just and it was really taking a toll on me. Also, it was affecting my my relationship, my relationship to my body, my relationship to my sexuality. Uh, it was just it felt very limiting um, and to not know what was going on and to constantly feel like there's something wrong with me. And it wasn't until through this program that I met Miriam, who is a holistic pelvic floor practitioner, where I started having a conversation with her and I told her my symptoms. And she was like, oh, have you ever heard of the pelvic floor? And she explained to me that it makes sense that if there's there's irritation happening in the pelvic floor, uh, that when I would have a bowel movement, I would feel that towards my vagina because there's a nerve that connects it. And I was like, why did anybody tell me this? <laughs> Light bulb moment. <laughs> and she showed me like a 3D model of the pelvic floor and, and the pudendal nerve, I believe it's called. Don't quote me on this. I'm not an expert. <laughs> we'll have Miriam back on the show to talk yes. about that. Yes, <laughs> it would be great to have Miriam on. But when she explained that to me, I was like, oh, this makes sense. And that inspired me to go to actually see a pelvic floor physical therapist who confirmed some tightness and um, just did an internal exam. And also I had an old tailbone injury, but apparently my tailbone was also like tilted more to one side than the other. So I had a lot of stuff going on in my pelvic floor and the, that that pelvic floor physical therapist then sent me to a gynecologist who specifically specialized in pelvic floor pain, which to me, I don't understand why, why don't all gynecologists specialize in pelvic floor pain, but that would be that a is, question yeah. to ask a gynecologist. I would be curious to know yeah. what their answer is like yes. literally dealing with the pelvic floor. Exactly. <laughs> yes. No. Yeah. Yeah. And um, so when I when I went to the gynecologist, she did a what they call a Q-tip test, where um, she takes a Q-tip and she pressed uh, like four different areas around um, the entrance of, of my vagina and outside my vulva. And she asked me to rate it from a scale of one to four, one being not feeling anything, four being extreme pain. And then afterwards, she asked me to squeeze my my pelvic floor muscles and release and did it again. And I rated pretty much the same. And just even the little touch of the Q-tip, I could feel like a burning sensation with a very light touch. And then afterwards, I asked her what the purpose was of like the squeezing and releasing. And she was like, well, if you squeeze and you release and you still feel the same, then she's like, that confirms that what I suspect that you have is vulvodynia. And unlike what my friend Rose thinks, vulvodynia is not a magical world of vulvas. like, that sounds lovely. I was like, yeah, you know, I wish it were that, but it isn't that. Vulvodynia is not a magical (laughs) world of vulvas. Also incredible quote for this podcast. Oh my God. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it made me, it made me laugh, but it was like that, that is not what it is. And the doctor explained to me that it's basic, that it's my nerves, that it's a nerve thing, that my nerves are really sensitive. And it's that's what's causing me to feel the burning sensation. That's what that's what's causing me to feel, you know, pain with um, penetrative sex than whenever I had a bowel movement or whenever I wore tight clothing. And sometimes with labs and getting test results, on the one hand, it was like, finally, I can get a step closer to having answers. I'm not in the dark. And on the other hand, I'm like, 
what the heck do I do about my nerves? Like, how do you possibly treat your nerves? Because for me, in my mind, oh, like, when it's an infection, they give you antibiotics, you treat it. But when it's your nerves, how do you possibly address that? So it was like, I was feeling a lot of things at that time. It was, like I said, the duality of feeling grateful for clarity, and at the same time, just feeling more frustrated. But she recommended that a course of treatment to to go uh, was to see a physical therapist, which I was seeing for some time and just stopped seeing because I had an experience that felt completely invalidating where she asked me how I was feeling. And I told her that I had just I was going through a breakup and I didn't sleep. And she proceeded part of that pelvic floor physical therapy session was she would do an internal massage and she asked me if I was ready. And I kept I was very tense. And she told me that I needed to relax. (laughs) And I was like, in my mind, I was like, how can I possibly relax? I just told you what I'm going through. You did not respond to it. And you expect me to relax. So I stopped going to that pelvic floor physical therapist. I was like, no, I I think everything's connected. And you can't just treat my physical body without looking at my emotional body and what's going on there. And um, yeah, so so invasive as an, an internal manipulation or massage that's like yeah yeah of course I yeah when that happened that was terrible yeah it's just it, it just was not it was not a good experience and so that led me back to I'm, I'm grateful that uh, Miriam was one of the coaches on the program and I did work with Miriam one-on-one and I learned about the emotions that are stored in the pelvic floor in particularly so through my work with Miriam I worked a lot on on the emotions um uh on the shame that I was carrying and experiencing and how the, and I learned how all those things can manifest in the pelvic floor. And I can't sit here and say that my issues have completely resolved and, you know, that I am no longer, that I have exited the magical world of vulvas. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my gosh. But I do, I notice like my relationship to my body is a lot better. And now I'm like, okay, I know that I'm working with this thing. And I know more about the pelvic floor and I know that strengthening and releasing and working on the pelvic floor, that's going to help me. So I'm still on on that journey, but I'm kinder to myself and I don't feel, I no longer feel uh, this weight of what's wrong with me. And I don't know what to do next. I feel like I have, I have, I have a path. Like I have, okay, the next step, the next step forward. And those, those things to me have been, have been very helpful. And I've just also been working on through something like dance, for example, connecting again with my sensuality and my sexuality. And that's been helpful in getting to know my body uh, for myself. Uh, Yeah. And all those things have just have helped me work through this. And also hearing from another woman who was in the program with us that she was experiencing it was very validating. And she recommended her pelvic floor physical therapist. And she told me that through, through, pelvic floor physical therapy, she was able to find relief. And that even that to me, even hearing somebody else say, I, I know what you've been through, that was that was really validating. So yeah, so I say all this to share that I had no idea what the pelvic floor was, and what any of that and it's like, these are things that we should know, right? And just going from feeling completely invalidated to at least getting one step closer to having some kind of answers and being able to just help myself and help my body. And I know, I know it's like, I'm not there yet, but I know I will be one day where I'll be pain-free. <laughs> yeah, you will be, absolutely. Yeah. And vulvodynia is nothing to sneeze at. It's it's a big um, deal and it can cause so much pain. And um, the other person whose name we'll keep private, but the mm-hmm. other person isn't the only person that has seen 
through, you know, lowering inflammation, through pelvic floor physical therapy, through addressing emotional health and its connection to stored trauma in the body, I've seen relief, like mm-hmm. really serious relief. And uh, I know that you're just going to keep building on it because you don't give up on yourself. And mm-hmm. that's just going to mean that you're, you are going to get to that place where you're pain free one day. I can just feel it in my body and I can't even wait for that text message <laughs> to come through one yeah, day. Yeah, definitely. It's, it's, it's going to happen. And I and, and now I, I have the tools. I have a support system in place. And I mean, I've seen what happened with the molds. I had no idea that I had molds in my body. And who knows how long I would have gone on living my life without finding this out if it wasn't for me trusting myself. And for me saying like, hey, something isn't right here. And I need to, to get help around this. And I'm grateful that I listened to myself and that I trusted my intuition and in connecting with you and in working with you too. I had no idea where the journey was going to take me. I mean, mold. <laughs> I had no idea and just couldn't believe how, how many issues it could possibly cause. Like I, I heard about this, but it wasn't until working with you where I was like, wow, this is really dangerous. It's really dangerous. And it's like, at this point, I think 85% of my clients are dealing with mold as one of their main triggers of inflammation and root cause. And I'm glad we found it, you know, like Mm -hmm. sometimes it's missed and, but there were just so many layers here. And I really appreciate you sharing about the actual diagnosis of vulvodynia. So people can get that research going. And one like little thing I'll just tie back because you mentioned you were on hormonal birth controls. It, interestingly enough, hormonal birth control and BV, it's a good correlation. So there's like studies that have shown that like hormonal birth control has helped to reduce BV, but the opposite is true for vulvodynia, which is fascinating and and potentially not a direct cause like hey, hormonal birth control causes this, but what it can do, as we all know, is hormonal birth control will kind of mute or pause or, you know, stop your regular hormones. And one of the things about vulvodynia, interestingly, is that we, the vulva tissue needs the hormones. It needs the androgens, it needs the estrogen. um, And those hormones are often like completely like postmenopausal ranges. If you think about that, that's really interesting too, because the women who are dealing with menopause often have vaginal pain, vaginal dryness, painful sex, and that's directly related to the lower amount of hormones. So as if with every symptom, we can't just be like, it's this, but there's just the many layers to it. And this kind of perfect storm that happened for you to develop this chronic pain condition. And because there's multiple steps, it takes longer, but you're, you're peeling the onion, you're getting through the steps. So this is an exciting time for you. I can't, I can't even wait to see what comes next for you. Yes. I'm looking forward to it. I'm, I'm really excited about the next chapter of my life. I love it. Well, we're going to leave it right there with you excited for the next chapter of your life. And uh, I hope that this inspired somebody who's dealing with PMS or painful sex or, you know, fatigue, any of that stuff. There are solutions out there for you guys. And the biggest thing is that you commit to yourself and you don't, it, from Jennifer's story, you don't settle for practitioners that won't validate and listen to you. Two yeah. biggest things I heard. <laughs> mm-hmm. Awesome. We will see you guys in two weeks for the next episode of She Talks Health. Until then, happy binging of all of the podcast episodes. I hope you enjoyed this one and we'll see you soon. I hope this episode got you one step closer to achieving your optimal health. If you liked this episode, please spend a few seconds to rate it so more women can find this resource. 
Be sure to tune in for more women's health support next week on the She Talks Health podcast. And in the meantime, you can find me on Instagram or Facebook at She Talks Health. I have an open door DM policy. No question is stupid and I'm always here for you.